Morning, everyone. It's good to see you. This morning, uh, how are you feeling about the world at the moment? And uh, wars and politics and elections and climate change deniers and how are you feeling? How are you feeling about um, the way we treat refugees and and about the the fall of um, Brian Houston and Hillsong and I don't know if you've caught much of that, but the um, but that's only the end of a long train of Christian leaders that have fallen or struggled, isn't it? Um, how are you feeling about the suspicion that our society uh, has when they look at church, when they hear the, um, about church? Do you feel that Jesus is, is low in the eyes of Australia these days? What about in your own family, in your own life, do you feel like you had much more hope for the glory of God in your life back then than you do now? Or that you wish for your kids something other than they've chosen? There's so much promise and potential and it feels like it's in ashes. Well, if you feel any of those things, you're in good company. (laughs) Nehemiah was feeling just like that. And he wrote his story down. And we're going to look at that story over this term and see um, how God moved powerfully to rebuild his people and raise the name of Yahweh high from among the ashes so that we can follow this example um, of what God did because the same God and he's here now. Um, um, All right. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hen and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who'd returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So this is um, the opening of Nehemiah's memoirs. It's 445 BC, and it's in about November, December. Nehemiah is at Susa, that's a major city in the Persian Empire. Most of Israel is still away in exile in the now Persian Empire. It was Babylonian, now Persian Empire. There's been some returnees quite a while ago, like almost 100 years ago, who'd gone back to start rebuilding the temple. And they completed that temple some 70 years after it got destroyed in 586 BC, if you're interested in the dates for the historians. But this is... This is um, uh, this is almost 100 years later. Um, remember, God, God had promised you know, that, he was, that he's, he was going to take his people into exile, that they were going to be purified from their worship of other gods, and that he was going to bring them back. He was going to bring the faithful back into the land. And 70 years, almost to the day the temple was destroyed, they completed the construction of the uh, second temple. And, but, and then there was, there, so there was a community in Jerusalem of uh, Jews, of people who followed um, Yahweh, trying to work out how to do worship at Jerusalem and, and live lives that honour God in that space. And they've been doing that for a generation or two. Um, but Nehemiah was born in captivity um, in Persia. And so he's, his brothers come back from this uh, returned community and he's anxious now, he wants to know what's happening for the returnees. How are things going? 
They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Not what Nehemiah wanted to hear. He wanted great news of Jerusalem, the city strong and thriving, everyone wholehearted in their worship of God, shining a light for the nations around, but it was in ruins. The walls were torn down, the gates were in ashes, it was trouble and disgrace. And maybe you know this feeling, you know, when your heart longs for that person to thrive in the faith, or when you're desperate for that work, that church, that camp, that mission to thrive to grow and flourish and shine bright for Jesus Christ, but it doesn't. It collapses and dwindles. When the person who had so much promise finds only trouble and disgrace, when, that, when what was bright and shiny and hopeful for the kingdom of God lies in ruins and ashes and you feel miles away and defeated and powerless. This is Nehemiah. What did he do? When I heard this, he says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact... For days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Here's the first take home from Nehemiah for us today. I will take my need to God. I will take my need to God. I will not dismiss, you know when you feel grief and you go, I can't do anything about it, and you walk away? Or when you just park it somewhere where, where it's not at the front of your mind. Or you just wallow in your own kind of space in the grief of what was lost. Not Nehemiah. I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. Um, you need to say here, this need has not hit Nehemiah personally in the way we think personally. So Nehemiah has got a job. He's, got a, he's probably got a family. He's in a good position in um, Susa. He's thriving in his own life. He's an important person. We'll find out more about that later. Um, he's comfortable and he's set up for life. What grieves him? What grieves him? The glory of God. The purposes of God. What God promised. What God wanted. The kingdom. All that, that God wanted to do with his people. It was away from his life, and yet it was core for him, and he grieved. I will take my need to God. Because we're comfortable too, you know, most of us. But God is moving. He has plans, and he has purposes, and he wants to shift our hearts to care beyond our comforts, even when it seems too big. Is this country gone to the dogs? No. There's ashes. Is God God? I mean, is this the king of all the earth? I will take my need to God. Whether it's personal for my family or my friend, whether it's local for our church family, for our life group, whether it's broader for our society, I will take my need to God. Um, seeking God like this helps us know uh, what to pray and also what to do. Let's look first at Nehemiah's prayer. I'm going to read this to you. It's a combination, this prayer, of days of prayer and fasting. It's not like Nehemiah heard this and he went, oh, and then he launched into this prayer. No, he sought God for days and then he formed this prayer. 
at the end of that time. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying day, uh, night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees and regulations you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. You rescue your servants, God. <laughs> oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. What do you notice about that prayer? Here's a second take home for today. So I will take my need to God. I will let God shape my prayer. I will let God shape my prayer. Look what he's done here. Um, first of all, God, like acknowledging who God is, the great and awesome, powerful God of unfailing love. Now, he's not making this up. This is the truth that he knows about God from the Bible. He's been in the Word um, while he's seeking God. So this is where God is. He's who I am. I am human. We are. We are broken. We are undeserving. It's a good start to prayer. This is alignment. This is God and this is me. God, I'll take this need to you, God, and you are there and I'm here. Um, I have sinned. And then, look how he reminds God of all the promises God made. So I've read again, God, I've been reminded of what you've done, of what you said, and I'm just reminding you, God, you said you would take us back. You said. You promised. Remember when you promised that? And remember you're the unfailing love God? Remember you're the God who, who, um, who's going to take the, the faithful people back and restore your glory in that, in that land, in that space? Reminding God of what he has uh, already promised. That is praying in alignment with what we know God wants. With what he said. Uh, it's not like, God, I just want this um, back pain to go away and I'm going to pursue you until it does. And I'm like, where does it say that? <laughs> you know, I mean, not that we shouldn't ask for it, but isn't there a confidence in going, God, you said... That's his word. That's his purposes. Prayer is we are searching for God. What are you doing? God, what do you want? God, how do, we, how, how do I align with what you're doing in this chaos, in these ashes, in this, in this pain, in this problem? God, help me to know. I've got to, I want you to shape my prayer so that I'm firmly in line with what you want to do because I want to be there in your will. Do you believe that the will of God is the happiest, most joyous, beautiful thing for your life and for the life of people around you and for this city and this nation? I do. I do. And I want my prayers to be, like Jesus said, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. And I think that's what he meant. Find the will of God. Like search for it, hunger for it, want it. Claim it. I will let God shape my prayer. You promised God to bring us back to the land, to rescue those who trust you. You said you would. In fact, 
It's the people you rescue by your great power. They're your servants. This is Nehemiah. God, hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight to honor you. Um, it's a different era for us because it's the same God working through his people, but now it's not about a physical city or a temple, is it? We, we know this. We're a temple of living stones. You and I and everyone else who trusts in Jesus. Uh, we are built together by God, by his selfless love pouring into us and out from us to each other, a living organism shining bright um, for the glory of God. We are an unmistakable beacon for the whole world to see God by, what? by the way that we love um, each other. This is what Jesus said. If you've not got this picture in your head yet, just imagine every single person who trusts Jesus all over this world, connected by bonds of selflessness, by God's love to them and through them to each other. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that whole operation. We depend on him entirely for this amazing temple of living stones that God is building to shine his glory to the nations, to say, God, to say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded to you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the purpose of God for us now. So maybe, maybe in our day, a heart like Nehemiah might have responded to the news of our world, something like this, this prayer. Our Father God Almighty Holy and beautiful beyond thought, hear us. We have sinned against you. Our nation, our state, our city, our church family, our household, and me, God. We've rebelled against your ways. We know you're a God who's faithful to forgive us when we confess our sins. You said you'd wash us white as snow and keep, and keep giving us the desire and the power to do what's right. You promised to replace our hearts of stone and give us soft hearts. You said that you would pour out your spirit on all people, that the old would dream dreams and the young would see visions, that we'd have authority in your name over evil. You trusted and commissioned us to make more disciples and you promised to be with us forever. And you promised, Jesus, that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And we believe you. Hear our prayer can hear the heart of Nehemiah. God, hear our prayer because you promised. The third thing I want to bring to us today, so I will take my need to God. I will let God shape my prayer. I will step forward in faith. Nehemiah finishes his prayer by asking for help with what he's decided to do in his discernment period of a few days of praying. Uh, he says, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Uh, end of prayer. And then a little editorial comment. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Okay. So Nehemiah serves the king. Uh, cupbearer, it's an important job. It's a wine taster so that the king doesn't get poisoned. Or so you get poisoned instead of the king. <laughs> It's that, but it's also the confidant. It's the counsel to the king. It's the uh, person who is trusted um, by the king. You don't want a cupbearer who you don't trust. 
And Nehemiah was that guy. Um, and this is his prayer, right? There's, he's in his, in his discernment, in his crying out to God, not only has he laid all the need before God and got his prayer aligned with what he knows God wants to do, but he's examined, what's my role? What, what can I do? Where, where, where can my kind of, whatever's in my hand, how can I use that towards not my purposes, God's purposes? And he goes, I've got the ear of the king. Like, kind of, because that's a dicey thing, as we know. Because if I try that and I'm wrong, he could cut my head off <laughs> um, and burn my family to the ground. So this is not a little prayer. Please grant me success today by making the king favourable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. I'm going to try this very brave thing, God, with what I have in my hand. And if you don't turn up, I am dead. Please, God. So what happened? Chapter 2. Early the following spring... So four months later, <laughs> please grant me success today. Early the following spring. <laughs> you ever had that? <laughs> nah, next time. <laughs> oh, this was a big thing for Nehemiah to step forward in faith. And he's just probably waiting for the, we don't know. Maybe he hadn't seen the king. More likely, he's just waiting for the right moment. So, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. This is not accidental. This is strategy. Um, so, Nehemiah, I'm serving the king's wine and I am visibly sad. Like whatever you're feeling in the king's presence, you bury it because you're the servant of the king. This is, a, this is a clarion call, an invitation for the king to engage. Um, so the king asked me, why are you looking sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. you experience this when you go God what do you want me to do what do you want me to do because I see this I've taken my need to God I think I understand some more of your purposes in this I want to step forward for that it's freaking me out oh just how do I have you had have you been terrified um first time I ran an alpha course I helped to run an alpha course we invited lots of people and we were waiting just on the side of the road to see if anyone would come. And I was terrified because I had stood up like this, goes, bah, we were going to do this great thing. And I feel like God was telling us to do that. And then maybe no one would. And, and that was terrifying. Nehemiah could have his head cut off. You know, I was terrified. This could go very wrong. I was terrified, but I replied. Do it afraid. 
I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asks, Well, how can I help you? Wow. Then Nehemiah says, With a prayer to the God of heaven. I replied, with a prayer to the God of heaven. Um, you know the arrow prayers? You know those? When you're in that kind of like, and you go, oh, quick, God, in this moment right now, just in my heart, help, help, help. Now, what is his prayer to the God of heaven? Not just like, get me out of here. Like, God, can you like send an earthquake so this whole conversation is interrupted and I just I get to run the other way? No, it's the prayer that he formed before. What was his prayer? Make the king favorable. Please, God. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you please with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Woo! Like, go Nehemiah. That's like a big win. He's, he, he's, but Nehemiah, I love this. He's like, I've got this far and I've planned this and I'm going to not stop moving in faith. I've already kind of prevailed upon the king for this and he's already granted my request. Um, But then he says, I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River instructing them um, to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah and please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I'll need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls and a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. I will take my need to God I will let God shape my prayer and I will step forward in faith. I hope we can be inspired by Nehemiah's example for the crises in our lives. For everywhere our hopes are dashed and our dreams for the purposes of God appear to be in ashes. For the work that God is doing here among his people in this community in this church family, for the work that's happening in our city and our cities around here, for our state, for our nation, for Ukraine, for this world. I will take my need to God. I will let God shape my prayer and I will step forward in faith. We are, we are I am too shallow in our faith. Like Australia is not as it was Some of you younger people are like, it's fine. If you've lived a long time, you know Australia is not as it was. But it's not Jerusalem. God God is moving. God is moving in our lives. And he's calling people home. He's calling people home. He's working in hearts all around us and in our hearts too. He wants to save people. It's not God's will that anyone should perish. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And the Spirit of God is working in people all around us, convincing us of sin and righteousness and, and judgment, all pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to Jesus. This is happening all around here. God wants to do amazing things in our family, in our community, and our lives, and our, and our nation. And, and He's waiting for me and you to be hungry for His purposes. I will take my need to God. I will let God shape my prayer. I will step forward in faith. Uh, Note that for Nehemiah, as for us, that step forward was not the end, just the beginning. Verse 9. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. Uh, The king, I should add, had also sent army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival... They were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Bom, bom, bom. Uh, I'm going to pick that up in two weeks. Next week's Mother's Day, and then we're back looking at how Nehemiah kind of landed in this land. Um, something to signal, signal about this whole book of Nehemiah, there are no miracles. Or, you know, like, then God parted the waters, or heal that guy, or... It's nothing like that. Well, let me say this another way. Um, The miracle is the miracle we see most, which is transformed lives and communities when people trust God. And we're looking forward to that journey um, together. Uh, You can read chapters 2 to 4 to get ready for that in a few weeks if you want to. For now, let's just pray. Father, we are, um, we are too occupied with our own purposes more often than not. And where things go awry for us, um, we often lament them, but we don't take them to you. Uh, for me, God, I think it's because I'm afraid actually of what you will require of me or want for me. In that space. And how do we simultaneously believe that your way is the best for us and yet be afraid of what you would ask us to do? And God, just forgive us. Hear our prayer, God. Give us the courage to take our need to you, to let you shape our prayers and to step forward in faith for your purposes. God, move in our lives. Save our children and our parents and our cousins and our grandparents. Save our next-door neighbours. Save our colleagues. Save this city, God. Uh, Soften our hearts to your purposes, we ask, God. Do this work in us. Please, for the sake of your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.